Psalm 118, verse number 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can, what can man do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in men or in man. It's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go, in, I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. The Lord which the I'm sorry, the stone which the builders refused has become the head of the stone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, would you help us tonight as we Look to your word, help me to preach it in just the way that most pleases you, help me to be a help to your people, and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and do something unusual in us today. Thank you for this church family, these wonderful folks, and I pray, God, that you'd do something for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. These uh, verses, verses 1 through 24, uh, when taken together, represent my prayer for us. If somebody were to say, outline what you would like to see God do in Fellowship Baptist Church, and not just corporately as a church, but in our families and in us as individuals, what is your prayer for us? What is your prayer for for me as a father and a husband? for my, my wife and for my children, this would, would be the outline of my prayer for us. So number one, my prayer for us is that we be an appreciative church. Is that we be an appreciative church. Look at verse number one. Oh, give what? Thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. Because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. 
Let them that now fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. It has been said that a thankful heart cannot coexist with strife. Whenever there is strife, there is an absence of gratitude. And where there is gratitude, there is an absence of strife. We should be appreciative. And we have so much for which to be thankful. It's interesting, I chose this message before they chose what song to sing for the choir. Brother Davies asked me, which one should we go with? We're kind of on the fence. And I suggested that one, not even thinking about the message, really. But for all he's done, we should be thankful, shouldn't we? Two things in particular the psalmist mentions. First of all, verses 1 through 4, there's a, there's a refrain there. We should be thankful for his mercy. And we have all benefited from his mercy. None of us have gotten what we deserve. Now, combined with his mercy is his grace. Not only have we not gotten what we don't deserve, we've gotten a great deal. I'm sorry, not only have we not gotten what we do deserve, a great deal we've gotten that we don't deserve. Be thankful for his mercy. Then be thankful for his moving. Verse number five. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. A large place is a wide open space. God takes us from the constrictive trap of sin and self and situations and places us in the wideness of his love. There is a freedom. There is a an expanse that exists when you're in the center of God's loving will that can't be duplicated by anything else. The hymn writer wrote, there's a wideness in God's mercy. Aren't we glad of that? May God help us to be an appreciative church. Number two, may God help us to be an assured church. An assured church. Assured in what? First of all, assured in his sustenance. Verse number six, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Assured in his sustenance. Verse six tells us that he will sustain us through our fears. He doesn't say we won't have fears. He says he'll sustain us through them. And thank God for that. Assured in his sustenance through our fears, but then he'll sustain us in spite of our foes. Verse number seven. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. We're not entirely sure who the psalmist is, but he had enemies. And yet God had assured him that he would sustain him in spite of his foes. 
Beloved, we have enemies. All of us do. We have enemies individually, and we have enemies corporately, people that stand against what we believe and what we want to do and what we believe God would have us to do. Easy to say, but hard to live. Easy preaching, hard living, but we need not be afraid. He will sustain us in spite of our foes. May we be an assured church in his sustenance, but then assured in his superiority. Verse number 8, he is superior to man's assistance. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Oh, I'm guilty of this. Perhaps you are as well. You encounter a problem, and the first thing you think is, who can I call? Well, I would suggest don't call anybody till you've called the main line. And as the old spiritual says, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. And a lot of times when you call the main line, you end up not having to call anybody else. Would to God that prayer would not be a last resort for us, but rather a first response. He's superior to man's assistance. You know what else? He's superior, he's superior to man's accomplishments. Verse number nine, it's better to put trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Not just to put confidence in man, but to put confidence in princes, people of accomplishment, people of, people of means, people of status. It's been said it's not what you know, it's who you know. I agree with that. Problem is, the who we know is not always the right who. I, I have a friend of mine that has the personal number of Governor Yunkin. You know how much good it does him? Very little. Very little. But he also has the personal number of Jesus Christ. What's, what's Jesus' number? 33-3. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. We need to be assured in his sustenance and in his superiority. But you know what else? We need to be assured in his support. The key phrase is in verse number 13. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. Though everyone came against the psalmist, forgive me for how droll this will be, he had air support. He had support amidst alarm, verse number 10. All nations compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. He had support amidst attack, verse number 12. They compassed me about like bees. You ever been attacked by bees? Have you ever been the fortunate one to run over an in-ground yellow jacket's nest? I have no idea what purpose yellow jackets serve in life. Um, they must have done something before the fall of man, but now they are, they are clearly a result of the curse. I can't stand a yellow jacket. I don't even like Georgia Tech. But uh, you ever been attacked? It's amazing how fast you can run when bees are after you particularly when you don't have a pond to jump in or anything like that. 
which I'm told doesn't really help. I'm not very I'm not very fast anymore, but you get some bees after me, I can I can, I can turn the motor on a little bit. I'll pay the price for it later. He said, there's also support amidst affliction, verse number 13. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. I guess we could sum it up in two verses. 1 John 5, 14. Talking about being assured. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That's what John said. Then Paul said in Romans 8.31, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, my prayer is that we might be an appreciative church, that we might be an assured church. Number three, Lord, help us to be an attentive church. Attentive to what, Andy? Attentive, attentive, attentive to his glory. Look at verse number 14. The Lord is my strength and song, and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over to death. Attentive to his glory, his glory in his strength. In verse number 14, he talks about his right hand. Now you understand that, that there, there's a, a, there's a liter, literary device that's used throughout the Bible in which God is personified in that he has is, he is ascribed attributes of a person that he doesn't actually have. God's a spirit. The Father's a spirit. Jesus said that, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so while Jesus the Son as a man has hands, God the Father does not. And yet he says that we've got his right hand. What's he saying? You have the fullness of my strength at your disposal. Most people are right-handed, except for those wonderful gifted few that are left-handed. But most people, amen, yeah, are right-handed. And so right-handedness would, would be the symbol of strength. He's glorious in his strength. The most recent memory verse for our Bible class, Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I'm with thee. Be not afraid, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. You have the fullness of my strength at your disposal. Glory in his strength. Glory, he's glorious in his song. Verse number 14. And he is glorious in his salvation. Also verse 14, moving to verse 18. So we need to be attentive to his glory. We also need to be attentive to his grace. Look at verse number 19. Open to me the gates of righteousness, I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. The gates of the Lord into them to which the righteous shall enter. He is gracious in allowing us to be like him. That's what he means when he's talking about righteousness. And allowing us to be like him. But then he talks about those gates. He's also gracious in allowing us to be with him with him. 
Be attentive to His glory. Be attentive to His grace. Be attentive to His gospel. Look at verse 21. I will praise Thee, for Thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. Notice that phrase, art become my salvation. Jesus doesn't just provide salvation, show salvation, point the way to salvation. He is salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When he went to the grave of Lazarus and encountered Martha, he said, your brother will live again. He said, well, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Then the most important question, believest thou this? I use that passage frequently at funerals because it just really drives the point home. Do you believe this? Because if you don't, you have no hope of seeing that loved one again. Our prayer is, Lord, help us to be appreciative. Help us to be assured. Help us to be attentive. And then finally, Lord, would you help us to be awestruck? Perhaps one of the greatest tragedies that we have as Christians is that we've gotten used to God and gotten used to his goodness and gotten used to his greatness and gotten used to his power. We find ourselves no longer awestruck. And yet he's no less powerful. He's no less gracious. He's no less wonderful. We've just gotten used to it. Lord, help us to be awestruck. Verse 22 speaks of Christ. Look at it. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. It's talking about Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, in verse number 23, it says this. This, and I know we use this to talk about the Family Life Center or some great event or whatever, but the this of verse 23 harkens back to verse 22, speaking of Jesus. So we could put it this way, Jesus and his redemptive work is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Marvelous means singularly exceptional. It has no rival. It has no equal. And verse 24 tells us that this truth should be a constant source of joy. We like to say verse 24 is all about Sunday, the Lord's Day, but it's not. I mean, that's an okay application. When it says, this is the day which the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's talking about the day of redemption. I love following this. John eight fifty six, Jesus speaking to these unbelieving Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And when he saw it, he was glad. And that harkens back to Genesis 22 when they're up there on Mount Moriah. Verse number 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. By the way, that's Jesus, the angel of the Lord. And said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. 
And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. You see, a, a sacrifice was only suitable if it wasn't marred and scarred. And so where is this ram caught? It's caught by his horns. His body is sound. Can you think of another ram-like animal with thorns around his head? Of course, Jesus, the Lamb of God. So as Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Watch this. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. God gave Abraham a portal through which he could see thousands of years into the future to see what would happen in that same location many years later. This time it wasn't a ram, it was a lamb, still with thorns around his head, paying the price for all mankind. That ought to make us awestruck. What is indicative of an awestruck Christian's response to the Savior? If we're really awestruck, What, what characterizes that? Revelation 1, verse 12. Now, bear in mind, this is John speaking. John was perhaps the closest disciple to Jesus of all 12 of them. I, I take the position that John was one of Jesus' cousins, so he was even family, I believe. But he was called John the Beloved, and he had his head on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper. He was part of that inner circle of Peter, James, and John. You'd be hard-pressed to pick a disciple closer to Jesus than John was. So if anybody found some level of comfort, some level of, you know, uh, informality with the Lord Jesus, it would have been John. But he says, I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks... One likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. Now watch John's response. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I don't have a problem with people getting excited in the Lord and raising their hands. I'm fine with that. Let me tell you something. If you really, really get awestruck in the presence of the Lord, it won't lift you up. It'll bow you down. It'll invoke humility. What did Isaiah do when he saw the Lord high and lifted up? He cried out, woe is me, for I am undone. 
So what's the so what tonight? Well, my prayer for us individually, for our families, and for our church is, Lord, help us to be appreciative. Boy, if we have thankful hearts, there won't be any strife, will there? Not internal strife. There may be external, but there won't be any internal strife. We'll be in unity and harmony because gratitude does that. Lord, help us to be appreciative. Lord, help us to be assured. In these days in which there's very little to count on, we need the assurance that only God gives. Lord, help us to be attentive, to pay attention to his grace, his glory, his gospel. And may we never stop being awestruck. May we never get over God and what he's done for us. Every couple of years, I remind you of this, that this is my prayer for us.